But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. What's going on? You are back inside an episode of the Booty and the Beast podcast. I am your host, fitness informant, founder and CEO, Ryan Buckeye. Again, no Danielle. She's still hands-on baby mama during this time. But today, one of the best podcasts, if not the best podcast I think I've ever conducted, or at least that I've been so interested and intrigued by. And that's because our guest today is Sal Frisella. He is the president of First Form International. You guys and girls know First Form Supplements. You probably know Legionnaires, Legion of Boom. Listen, this company, I was introduced to them back in about 2014, 2015, and it just seemed like there was something super special. The culture that they were creating, how their Legionnaires and Legion of Boom crew really wanted to be everything they could be. I know it sounds weird for that particular brand. And it's all because they stand for something and they stand together. And I've been vocal and I've said this on platforms and I bring it up in today's podcast. I said, you don't need to have the most over-formulated formulation when it comes to your dietary supplements. You don't need to implement all this science. Not that it's a bad thing not to do that, but they have products that are sufficient that can help people move towards their goal of living a better life through weight loss or muscle gain, but they do it through this idea of acceptance. Like you are on this mission to create something better of yourself. We want to help you get there and we're going to provide you the assets and the services that you need on top of the tools, which are their dietary supplements. It is an impressive story. This brand is now a 200 plus million dollar a year revenue brand, which is absolutely insane. And they just launched their energy this last fall, which Sal talks about in the podcast. They had plenty of hiccups when it came to energy, and that is a category that is absolutely booming. There are retailers out there looking to grow their energy category by 80% in the next year. So that's a prime opportunity for First Form to go in there into these uh, FDM or food drug mass retailers with their canned beverage products. But it's just impressive because this guy is a grinder. He's a He reminds me a lot of myself. He's older than me. So maybe, maybe, maybe to him, I remind... Uh, maybe maybe I remind him a lot of himself in terms of the grinding, but he has a really good layout on life, a really good, um, you know, he's got a good history. He played minor, minor league baseball, taught him failures, taught him successes, taught him humility, and bring that into the business world after a couple different things of, of being a, a, a printer salesman and being a med device salesman, and now he's the president of First Form International. So really excited to bring you guys that podcast. Again, one of the, the, the most beneficial, favorite podcasts that I've ever done, and we didn't even, like, scratch the surface of all the things we could talk. So I'm definitely going to have to have him back in. You're going to notice we don't talk about his brother, Andy, at all until the very end because this podcast was about Sal for Sella and what he has done, along with his brother and the team of 400-plus employees, I think he said, of growing First Form International to a $200, $250 million booming-ass business in the dietary supplement space. So excited about that. 
Big news coming up here. You guys know that we just celebrated our third birthday at Fippler's. We launched Turtle Cheesecake, had the single biggest day in our company history, picked, packed, and shipped nearly 300 orders from our sale, which lasted three hours. Super humbled, super grateful, and super thankful for the support. But I will tell you this here exclusively first on the Booty and the Beast podcast. This may go up on social as well uh, very quickly. But on 418, which is April 18th, this is National Animal Cracker Day. So, what do you think we're going to do? We're not done celebrating. We are going to be launching Frosted Animal Cookie on 418, April 18th via our website. And retailers will have it either then or shortly thereafter, depending on when they order. And this is going to be a nationwide big, big launch. This is our version of our new Frosted Animal Cookie. We're excited to bring it to you. Uh, and when I was looking up these national holidays, I saw it was 418. I looked at the calendar. It's like, shit. Can we do this? Can we produce this in time and get this quickly out the door? And the answer is absolutely yes. We're producing it this week, shipping on 418 uh, or 419 probably with it going on sale 418. So that is your exclusive break there. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to bring it over to sell for sell. But if you like this podcast, hit the subscribe button, write us a review on the podcast platforms. It helps out the algorithm so we can show up in more searches. Um, whether it's a, a one star, five star, I don't care. Just set a review and let us know what you think. More guests and more guests and more guests are coming to the podcast as we are making this part of our 2023 strategic plan moving forward is we need to consistently put out these podcasts. You like them. I like doing them. Danny likes being part of them. Uh, so until that next podcast, this is the first form international president, Sal Frisella. Let's go. going to help you get to where you want to be. Five percenters is five percent of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. We're talking about business, success, education, willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Cage was born of a need for premium health-focused products that actually work. We help you lift heavier, run faster, live healthier, and achieve your potential. You deserve to trust a company that doesn't cut corners, one that sources the highest quality ingredients. Welcome to Caged. I am super excited about this one. I can't even put enough emphasis on the word super. Uh, Sal Frisella joining us from St. Louis, Missouri, the first form HQ headquarters, the man, the president behind the brand. 
just chilling, having them. Are you eating a brownie right now? Please tell me you're eating a brownie right now. No, I'm at, dude, I'm having a delicious peanut butter lovers level one box. See, there we go. Nice little plug to start off the podcast. It's exactly what I wanted. A lot of times people are going to get you on here and ask you a bunch of questions, which I'm going to do, but I got to ask, I'm going to ask a super hard banger question off the bat. Uh, so I hope you're prepped for this one. Back in 2003, 2004, you played minor league baseball for two years in your 20s, right? I did. 2004, you had your only error in your minor league baseball career. What happened? Um, <clears throat> shit, I, I believe it was just a ground ball to right, and I, I booted the ball. What, what, and, what are you uh, doing? What are you doing? This, see, this, I mean, the tr- you want to know the truth? Yeah. The truth is I was probably hung over as hell. <laughs> and, uh, it was probably a day game. It was probably 280 degrees, and I and um, I wasn't prepared. I mean, it's actually a great – and I talk about, you know, it, it's a great reminder to my to my life or career in general. Is, you know, I was gifted with an unbelievable opportunity in playing, you know, minor league professional baseball. And I just didn't give – I didn't give baseball the respect it deserved. And uh, it served me – it served me a nice shit sandwich in that sense. And, and uh, it, it gave me a new vision on looking at life totally different moving forward because I mm-hmm. have to take the gift that I have now and maximize it because that, that gift that was given to me at the time, I, I, didn't, I didn't maximize it. And I was more worried about being cool than I wa- was more worried about being impactful or, or adding value to the team. And, uh, you know, that, that summer of my life, although it would be one of the best, most fun summers of my life, uh, uh, it taught me a good lesson about life is you know, never take for granted the opportunity and the, and the position that you have in front of you. I mean, you're an impressive ball player. Drafted to the Cardinals right in their minor league system. You hit damn near 300 uh, right fielder or center fielder. Yes, I looked you up because I'm a huge baseball advocate too. I'm also a Brewer fan. So you being born and raised in St. Louis and being part of that organization, part of me wishes you'd have brought that, that air capability that you have in your system up to St. Louis so that way you could quit, you know, the, the Cardinals quit, quit dogging the Brewers. And, and by the way, it's Yadier Molina is the only person that dogs the Brewers. He's a, one of the best players of all time. But I have heard stories about minor league baseball, about how much fun it is and how it's basically, to your point, you said you were probably hungover, how it's just this massive, you get this nice little signing bonus and at the time probably worth a, a lot of money to you. Uh, and, and everything's a little bit different. But I mean, was it like just a college fraternity and, and you just happen to play ball every now and then? Man, there, there are so many... I, I think you know when you look at when you look at minor league baseball, um, there was so much life that I learned, so much fun that I had, so much uh, <clears throat> what I learned with that I don't want to be in life. But yeah, I mean, was it a fraternity? I think there's there's two sides of the clubhouse, right? There's there, unfortunately there are people like myself who are, are more interested in having fun than you were taking it serious. Sure. And there was the other side. You know, who, who honestly, I wish I was more like when I was younger. But that's one of those things you learn in life. You know, it was it was it was a it was a it was a business and it was a job and there was a job that had to be done. And, and I was too more I was I was more worried about playing business, if you will, getting in and 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 having fun than I was actually executing on it. And you know that I mean, dude, I've been in every shithole city in the entire country. I've traveled in the back of a bus you know, 10 hours, 12 hours, you know, sleeping in, in terrible hotels, making $1,200 a month. I mean, I, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, but some of my best, best times were riding around in those buses with, with, you know, 30 guys making memories, gambling, you know, playing cards, telling stories, making memories. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things like when you talk about, you know, loving the game or loving what you do, it's, 
it's the journey, you know, and there was so much, so much education inside the journey. But quite honestly, you know, I wasn't realizing it at the time that fraternity or that clubhouse or that, that locker room mentality uh, has parlayed and been one of the best experiences that I've had in, in you know, being a part of, of first form in our business here is, you know, we are everything that I learned about life. I learned inside a locker room and, and specifically, you know, culture standards, you know, being a great teammate and, you know, it's been one of the best assets that I've had, you know, being a part of this organization here is, you know, I understand what winning teams uh, need. I understand what winning teams are about. I understand the standard that, that has to be upheld inside the locker room in order for those teams to compete on the field. Mm -hmm. I understand that, you know, not everybody can, not everybody can pitch. You know, some people are going to play right field. Somebody's got to play first base. Somebody's going to be the water boy. Yeah. And, you know, you learn a lot about life and the journey and the struggle and the culture and standards. Uh, and I, and I learned most of that in the back of some shithole bus or some shithole hotel and in, in a, in a town like Clinton, Iowa, yeah. you know, that, that smells bad. Right. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a hell of a ride, man. That's for sure. You got taught. I mean, that's a lot of pressure as a 20, 22 year old kid coming out of college, being drafted by a big league team. Did you, and obviously it's helped mold you into what you've done. Like since then you've been with, I think Johnson and Johnson, which that's a cutthroat business in med device sales. And typically they do hire athletes like yourself because you're already like pre-positioned to be successful in that role. Now you're the president of, of first form, but talk about the pressure as a, as a young kid in your twenties, knowing like you're under this microscope, this is your dream. This is what you want to do. This is a make or break time of your life. And obviously it worked out for you, but did you feel, or did you feel yourself crumbling under that pressure ever? No, I, I think, you know, I, I think pressure is a privilege, right? And you have to look at it that way. And, you know, I've always, it, it's, you don't just drop into this, you know, going to bat in front of 15,000 people. Like it's not like you're first at bat going into, so, you know, and a lot like business, right? Like you don't, you don't drop into, you know, your, your 400 employee management system. Like it's one employee at a time. Like you learn to manage people one employee at a time. You learn to handle the pressure of being at bat in front of, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20,000 people, one at bat at a time. And it starts, you know, in high school, really little league high school, you know, you might play in front of a two or 300 people. And in college, you might play in front of two or 3000 people. Then, you know, in the Cape Cod league, you might play in front of four or 5,000 people. So there's like a progression to the pressure to where it becomes just part of what you do. And I think life, you know, it's kind of like being a dad, right? Yep. You know, when you're the pressure of, of, of having your first child, it's like everything's all this information coming in. You, you have child one, you're going through this learning curve. By the time they drop, drop child two on you, like you're not worried about changing a diaper. You're not worried about waking up at night. You kind of understand how the bottle game works. You know, that you got to clean, like you, you, you aggregate one little brick at a time to, to, to the, to the pressure. And, you know, and so it's parlayed into life. You know, I, I was blessed to be able to, you know, have the athletic background and, and, you know, be able to play in front of those people and understand, you know, what a little bit of pressure feels like. And then, you know, when I got into uh, medical device sales, you know, same things, you know, good teammates, strong culture, you know, creates a winning environment, you know, being able to play uh, and do well inside those walls and, you know, be able to talk to the biggest doctors and, and convert some of the biggest hospital systems. You know, a lot of people would get nervous, but I think because I had some experience, you know, being under those pressure situations early in my career, they weren't make or break for me. Cause I understand that, Hey man, like sometimes you're going to get told the word, no, it's just no right now. You got to keep moving. And then, you know, it's parlayed into, into the career now where <clears throat> every day I get to walk into this place and it's, it's a great day. And, uh, 
you know, I, I always did, I can, I help, you know, consult a lot of people in the space and talk to them and talk about leadership and management. And the position that I have is my door is over here um, to my right. Nothing good walks in that door. Like no, nobody ever walks in that door and tells me I'm doing a good job. Nobody walks in that door and gives me a good piece of advice or tells me, you know, really anything positive. Everything that walks through that door is a problem. And that's a privilege for me to sit in that seat, right? That's the seat I signed up for. It's the, the person who can solve the most problems sits at, sits at the sits at the helm. And, you know, and so I, I sit here and my job and, and ability to, you know, handle those problems is, is a privilege. And I stopped looking at it as pressure or struggle. Um, you know, I, I pull in our parking lot, I got 400 employees on the roof. You know, there's 400 cars out front that I'm responsible for, 400 families that I'm out front that I'm responsible for, 400 living, breathing, great humans inside these walls that I'm responsible for. And if I look at it from a pressure lens all the time, you know, it can be demoralizing. And so you look, you have to change that perspective and say, hey, listen, this is my privilege. I'm in a great opportunity. There are people who would love to be able to handle these problems every single day. And so instead of looking at it negative, I've tried to always just change that perspective and look at it from a positive viewpoint. And I think, you know, perspective in every situation um, is a very valuable, is a very valuable asset being able to, to find the positive in every situation, being able to switch the perspective from a negative to a positive mindset. You know, that starts with being able to acclimate to a little bit of pressure early on in your career and how well can you handle it? How well can you adapt it and then pivot it into the, to the next moving piece? When you ultimately, I hate to use the word failure, but I'm, I'm assuming you probably use the word failure, like failed to make it to the big leagues. And, and I'm assuming that's really what you want to do. Did you take that hard? Were you excited about the next opportunity? Because everybody, everybody takes failure differently. Obviously, maybe it fueled you because, I mean, look where you are today. But I'm always curious about your interaction with that word failure and how you handled it. Yeah, I, I mean, at the time, right, you take, it, you, you take it hard because that's, I was 23, 24 years old. You know, your identity um, at that point for me, you know, I was a baseball player. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that, that's what I was. That's what I – and, you know, you're young. So, you, you know, you're a little bit ignorant to the fact of, like, what really matters in life. But, you know, I, I was a St. Louis kid. You know, I played in the St. Louis Cardinal organization. You know, it, it, it was a stroke to my ego is really what it was. Right. Uh, and, you know, I knew I had to face that. I, you know, did I take it hard? I mean, I had a collision home plate, broke my leg. My, my exit of baseball was not like one day you walk out. It was more of a transition over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get that like smack in the face that, that, that a lot of people do. But it was a lifestyle adjustment. You know, I battled with a little bit of, uh, you know, mental struggle, trying to find a new routine. You know, we got to think for the greater part of my life. Showed up to the field every day. You know, I worked out, worked, played, you know, went out, hit repeat. I mean, baseball is like the, the, the movie Groundhog Day. And you know, as humans, we're creatures of habit. And so once I broke that routine, it was really difficult for me um, to try to find a new routine. So I went out, actually, my first job was selling copiers. And uh, I was actually pretty excited because I went from making like 1200 bucks a month to making like five grand a month. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, so I thought I was rich. And I was like, hell yeah, man, I'm 24 years old. I'm rich. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so that piece, you know, was different for me because, you know, you got to think, man, I'm 23, 24. You know, you're in the dating scene. And I used to be able to tell people like, "Hey, what do you do? I play professional baseball." Like that was a pretty cool thing to be able to do. Uh, to two months later, what do you do? Um, I sell copiers. Yeah. You know, it was a, a stroke through the ego, man. And, and 
you know, there's uh, ego plays a lot of role in 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 our our a place as humans, and I think for me, that lesson of humility was a really strong suited play for my life because I had to eat a, a great deal of humility in that transitional time. You know, three to twenty seven year old uh, version of myself. You know, and it allowed I had to I had to I had to fail quite a few times in there to, to finish out that dose of, of humility. And, and I hope, you know, and something that I pride myself on is, you know, I've tried to pivot it into becoming the, the best version of myself that I could be today, which is being somebody who leads by example and, and, you know, having done some things, you know, wrong in my life when I say wrong, you know, have, having done all the stupid stuff that young guys do. Um, you know, I've tried to, to be a beacon of light for our young culture here and explain to them, you know, the correct way to do things or, you know, how to, how to be a, a man of character, a person of character, a man or a woman, um, you know, how to, how to be a person of value, how you don't really need to do those things to learn those lessons. You know, I try to, I try to develop the youth in a, in a very strong suited, you know, uh, character minded way. And so that's been a fun part of my career. Um, you know, I learned a lot, a lot about life through that diamond. Uh, and it's helped me hopefully, and I know it's helped me a great deal in, in, in success of being a father being a husband and ideally being a, a strong business leader here at First Form. I think humility is huge. And I, I said a lot about, you know, our brand fit Butters, it's through hard work, um, hustle and humility. Like those are three things that I, that I'm very, very passionate about. And I've been through some shit in my life and I've done some stuff I'm not proud of, but to your point, you don't have to experience that. We can become teachers and we can help others, uh, you know, obviously change their perspective on things. And I'm, I'm also curious because First Form wasn't always a $200 million company or doing 200 million in revenue, right? Like you, you had to build up, but were there times along the way where maybe your ego got back in the place as you're growing, maybe you, you doubled or tripled revenue from the year prior. And how did you keep yourself grounded and humble as you help steer and grow this ship into what this thing is today? Well, I mean, it, that's a, it's a really good question. I think, you know, it's a, it's an ebb and flow. Uh, but you know, you realize ultimately at the end of the day, like I'm just, I'm just one of the corner pieces to the puzzle. There's a, there are a lot of moving pieces. Um, and I think, you know, as you get older, you start to, you start to realize how less important uh, your ego is into the, into the uh, success of life and, and, when I started worrying more about the value that I added to people and the value that I added to culture versus the value I added to my self-worth, my life became more important to myself. So there's self-fulfilled, there's self-fulfillment in, in watching other people succeed. And, and I, I don't look at the growth that we've had as a company. Uh, you know, w- you know, when we surpassed $200 million, like that's not, that's not me, that's us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, sure. At times, like you look in the mirror and you're pretty, you're proud of, of what you do. Um, but you realize at the end of the day, like we still have a lot of work that has to get done. And so those, those small celebrations along the way, you know, you know, when you, $10 million was a, was a celebration. Okay. We got to get a lot of work. Get 20, 20 was a celebration, 20 to 40, 40 to 80, 80 to 160, 160 to two, you know, two plus, two plus to work. You know, it, they're all small windows of celebration, but you have to, you have to be, you you have to learn to be honest. Like it's, it's not me, it's us, yeah. our team. And so uh, I think, you know, specifically in the sports supplement industry, what you see is you get a lot of, you know, a lot of egos in our industry, right? And I, we've all seen them, um, you know, and I, and I think when you were look behind the hood of a lot of those companies, you, you don't see a strong culture and I, this will go for business in general. 100%. Uh, and I'd be really proud to, to say, I think when you look, look behind the hood over here, there's, 
got a really strong culture, got a great team full of uh, a lot of hardworking individuals that quite honestly are better than I am. I just get a, I get to sit in a seat that, that allows me to, uh, to receive a lot of the credit that I, actually I don't like to receive anyhow. But um, yeah, it's one of those things, man, like you're, you go, you're going to dig yourself along the ride. It's all right. You know, I don't knock it. Like there, it's nice to look in the mirror and be proud of what you've done. But you know, it's also really cool to look across the look across the way and watch some of these young young professionals who are kicking ass and taking names and building something themselves. That's equally as fulfilling as looking in the mirror and talking about how great we were, right? So it. Uh, I mean, listen, I, when I got that dose of of humility early in my life, it taught me that you're not as cool as you think you are. You're not as important as you think you are, and, and everybody. When I say everybody, me included, uh, uh, can be replaced, and and uh, we certainly have enough talent inside here to be able to replace me. So. That's where I sit there. What was the moment? I think everybody has a moment. Like with me and Fitbit is a moment for me personally. And I said this in a video recently. It was like walking in the vitamin shop the first time and seeing our product on the shelf. To me, that was like, holy shit. Okay, we're doing something now. You know, Wagman's Publix, all this stuff. It's, it's great. But what was the moment for you on this journey where you maybe had a moment where you're like, wow, like we have something with a ton of momentum. We have something special here. Because I feel like every president, CEO, entrepreneur has that singular moment that sort of just makes them step back and look at the bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, I share the, a, a similar, you know, walking into a gas station and random, you know, and you're, you're in the middle of Mississippi and you walk in and you see one of your products. Like it's, it's cool, right? Like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a cool factor about it that is really hard to explain. Walking through a random airport and seeing a first form shirt or somebody recognizing you, you know, uh, you know, in a random place like that stuff, it's, that's all cool. But the moment for me where, um, you know, I realized that we were doing something unique was our very first summer smash and, uh, summer smash for those of you who don't know, is this, it's, it's a summer event where, um, you know, we invite in basically we sell tickets, very limited 12 to 1500 tickets for a very limited, uh, uh, selection where they get basically to spend $200. We get about, they give about $500 of apparel and supplements back in return. Plus we get a, a whole weekend of activities going to the baseball game. We usually put on a pretty badass concert here at, at first form HQs, games, drinks, motivational speakers. Like it's an entire festival for 200 bucks, $500 return. But at first, the first summer smash, um, we would say, well, we're going to have a company barbecue and we're going to sell these things called golden tickets, like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, we're sitting there and, you know, there's like, at the time, we only had seven or eight employees, you know, and, and social media had allowed us a, a really great segue to build, uh, you know, build characters and a movement around, you know, helping real people get real sustainable lifestyle results. Like that's, that's where our core business, like when, you know, our core business is really helping people change their life through losing weight. That's, that's what we specialize in. You know, we're not, we're not the specialty five pound protein guy. That's just not kind of what our game is. So we've been, we've been able to, to create this culture around helping people change their lives. And, and so, you know, we put our first summer smash tickets for sale and we put, I think 500 golden tickets and it sold out in like a minute and a half. And we were wondering if we were going to sell them. Like we were, we were like, well, shit, what happens if nobody buys them? You know, like what are we going to do then? Mind you at the time we had, we didn't know we we were going to barbecue and work out in the back parking lot of our first Mm -hmm. building. Like it was just literally that was it. And when we sold those 500 tickets, you know, in a couple of minutes, we said, well, shit, we got, we got to, we got to figure out a way to make these people have a blast. And that reality of like, there's actually people who, who are invested in this brand, you know, for the, 
for us because we were all huddled around the 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 the, the POS at the time when it was tra- taking the transactions. It was a real moment. It was like it was one of those moments where it's like, all right, what we're doing here is cool. Like this, what we do matters. And then to watch these people come from all over the country, you know, and then to hear the stories of, you know, becoming a better mom or dad from losing fifty pounds and or or you know going out and leaving their job, you know, through the entrepreneurial network and and you know starting their own career, or becoming a legionnaire, like all these cool positive stories around what we're doing. I think that moment for me it was self-fulfilling because what it showed me is that what we're doing matters. My life matters. What we're doing at first form matters. And it was cool because it, it was, it was real at that moment. For me. I will say in all my years of being in a space, I go back, I got in the space officially in like 2014, I think, but I've never seen a brand with a culture like yours. Uh, and what I mean by that is, there are a lot of brands since then have had affiliate ambassador programs, but like the Legion of Boom was really the first one that I you know, heard of and, and seen the passion that these individuals have. Like they wanted to create content. They wanted to work hard for the brand. They loved everything about the brand. And I've said this, like you look at your pre-workout, it might not be the biggest loaded pre-workout on the market. It doesn't need to be. But what you guys do is you have this culture and this sense of being that so many want to be a part of. How important was that? in conversations on growing this brand because you don't get to 200 million without that type of culture, without that type of, of system that people want to be a part of. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, when you look at the products, I always like to think like, Hey, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be in the top three, right? We're going to be in the category and pre-workouts like in particular, such a subjective Mm -hmm. category. It's like, you know, I mean, I'm like you, you know, I've been around it for a minute, you know, it was 150 milligrams of caffeine. It was 200. And they're like, well, I'm gonna make a better one. I'm gonna make it 250. And then the guy's like, oh, I'm gonna make it better. I'll make it 300. You know? So, you know, we're of the camp, like when you buy from first form, you know that you're going to get a great product. You know that you're going to get a top quality product comparison. And we'd like, we want to be able to be competitive in that, in that landscape. Subjectiveness comes across the board, taste, flavor, feel, what you like, what you're trying to do. And knowing that, you know, everybody could always just add more caffeine or, or figure out a way to, you know, whatever, make a little bit of a better product. But what the long road is in, in this game of life, the long road in the game of fitness is how do you develop a culture around helping people change mm-hmm. their life? And what I know is, you know, and what we try to compete on early is that's the hard way for, for these people to compete against us. And if we could just be us, Nobody can beat us at it. Mm-hmm. And as long as we make a product that's, that's competitive and it's a very top tier of, of, you know, the moving pieces of the sports nutrition industry, they're going to have to beat us on customer interaction. They're going to have to beat us on, on being able to deliver people results. They're going to have to beat us on customer service. They're going to have to beat us on how do we handle our legionnaires. They're going to have to beat us on how we get out in events and actually meet these people and shake their hands. You know, we send our staff from HQ. We fly them all over the country and every weekend. In fact, I think the first time I met you was in New York City at Natural Body. I was there. Um, You know, they're going to have to beat us boots on the ground. And, you know, that piece, um, and I'm pretty confident, is we've been able to raise really great people of character here at First Form HQ. And when we put them out in the competitive landscape, like, people remember them. Because they remember, people always remember how people make them feel. Mm Mm-hmm. And that gets lost inside the, the landscape of business. You, you, you remember how somebody treats you. You remember, you know, the interaction that you have. And when you're, let's say, at Natural Body, right, at Steve's event, there's 50 brands there. How do you leave an impact in that, 
in that two minutes that you're going to have with that customer right. to make them remember you for the next 12 months when they're walking through that door. What are you doing? And I think, and I feel very strongly about um, the type of community that we have, the type of leadership that we have, the type of employee slash uh, teammate that we have. Uh, we're going to compete and, and likely beat our competition at that level. And that's mm-hmm. what we pride ourselves in. And, and that's the hard part, right? Because we're doing it at scale. Uh, we're not just at one event for the weekend. We're trying to be at 10, 12, 15, 20 events and, you know, have those types of interaction. And I always, you know, and I teach our staff here and this is a good lesson, you know, for anybody listening. And, you know, um, I, our people are never behind the table. They're in front of the table and they're in front of the table because I'm not going to have a barrier between us and our customer. We're just like you. We're somebody who's trying to figure out how to solve a problem. Usually it's gain weight, lose weight, you know, and figure out what product's right for you. And so, Let's get next to them. Let's shake their hand. Let's take a picture with them. And, you know, that, that culture piece, uh, although we might be subjective in the pre-workout category and it's a one, two, or a three, um, I, I'm, I'm confident to say that we're, we're a one or a two out there in front of the table, you know, talking to those customers. It's not just the end user. You guys have amazing relationships with retailers. Like a lot of people can look at me like, well, margins are good. Yeah, margins are good. But what I think people maybe don't understand is, you also have a pocket of retail stores that you guys have in us too. So you understand how that process works. You can go in and uh, somebody like Steve and understand the problems that he goes through, the issues that they face on an everyday basis. And I think a lot of brands, they don't get that. They think, I mean, they're just selling a tub of powder and they don't understand what the end consumer is really dealing with at that retail level. How much has the, the education that you guys have all obtained from owning those storefronts and then going out in the wholesale market are able to, to take that knowledge with you and help retailers and, and develop those relationships? Yeah. A um, few things. I own nothing to do with Supplement Superstore. That's my brother, and Chris. Um, and then and Andrew and Chris, we're, we're all partners in first form. Yep. So just, you know, just clarity piece. Um, but I was raised in retail. You know, I mean, I hung all the stores. I hung all the store shelves in Supplement Superstores all the way up to like 2017, 18. Mm-hmm. Like I was actually getting the store, hanging the shelves that retail environment, you know, building relationships like Steve's. Um, and I think if you ask him, you know, I was the first, uh, I was the first brand to ever go up and actually work the floor and, and help train his employees, you know, understanding how to work a retail floor, not just sell first form because of supplement superstore and the relationship and, and watching my brother build that business. You know, I, I understood how to work a retail floor. I understood sports nutrition. I understood, you know, all my Cellucor, BSN, Optimum Nutrition. I know the, all the owners of the brands, you know, and I, and I, and I, so I would position it and I always, and I still look at it this way. Like my job is not to sell uh, my product to that customer. My job is to help that customer get the best results for what they're trying to seek. And whenever I put that retail hat on, I don't become a part of, I'm not first form centric, I'm customer centric. Sure. And I think a lot of brands, you know, because here's what happens, right? Somebody's in really good shape. They're jack tan and shredded. They say, "Well, I'm going to start a supplement line." Well, they they really they're not. That doesn't make them great customer centric salespeople, and so they fail to miss that piece. And they think, "Well, I look good. I should have a brand." It's like, no, well, in retail, specifically specialty retail, you have all walks of life walking in that door, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to pivot on a dime. And it's just that maybe this mom right here uh, is not worried about 500 milligrams of caffeine. They're worried about gut health, or they're worried about you know, finding maybe, maybe she's pregnant. She's looking for a great prenatal. Like how do you pivot and have that conversation? Having the backbone of, of the stores and the store experience really put myself in a great position to be able to, you know, start that retail network. And even our, our guys who fit into our wholesale channel now, it's, you know, it's 15 ish people. 
um, you know, they're, they're store driven. They've come out of our stores. They understand retail. We can plug them in anywhere in the country and they're going to add value to a retailer. So having that backbone of specialty retail knowledge has been crucial to help developing some of these retails become successful. Because as you know, you know, to your point, like, you know, we more or less revolutionized the way that the especially retail marketing is done now. Like we first started selling, um, it was never going to work. That was the whole thing. I mean, I can't tell you how many retailers said it's never going to work, but because we understood D2C, you know, you could set a, set a, a price point online, allow the retailer a little bit of money in between and allow them to make some money, they weren't competing with bodybuilding.com or competing with Amazon or competing with, um, I forget the place out of Wisconsin. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where having a good business knowledge because we experienced it on our side and then pivoting it out forward facing, we allowed those people to grow their businesses and be a partner with them. Not just, we weren't just like, you know, buy six, get two free, you know, and drive your margin. It was, we were able to teach them uh, a better way of maybe interacting with a customer, offer them a product lineup that was protected by an online price. And with social media, we were able to drive customers to their stores. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that three prong approach, that little trident balance allowed for us to, to gain a, a great deal of respect with our retailers. And we've always been, we've always been uh, true to our work, you know, and I, I, I say this today. I mean, and I just use Steve as a reference and all these things because everybody, you know, everybody knows Steve and, He's one of my, he's one of my best friends in the whole world. I love that guy. I shook his hand 10, 12 years ago. And if you ask him today, like, I don't have a signed agreement with him. I shook mm-hmm. his hand. I've told him what we're going to do is how it's going to work. And I've never, never, never vowed from it. Right. I've never even swayed a little bit and nor has he. Mm-hmm. And so those people still exist in the world. Yeah. And, and I think those are the ones that are going to thrive a great deal in specialty retail. And, and, and man, there's a lot of great retailers out there and we sh- it's our obligation. I feel to protect them. Um, you know, so that they have the opportunity to pay their bills and, 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 and really help the world become a healthier place one customer at a time. I love, I mean, you bring up Steve a lot. I love Steve too. When we were, um, you know, going in the vitamin shop, Steve was the first person I reached out to and I said, Hey dude, just, just FYI, like, and his response was what I think all retailers should have is he thought it was a good thing for his business. Like getting into 720 yeah. stores with five SKUs when he has all of them in his stores and he knows a customer walks into his store, they're not leaving. They're not going back to vitamin shop potentially at that point. So when you guys ultimately made the decision to go vitamin shop, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people. It, definitely for me, because yeah. I, I didn't know about it. And all of a sudden I saw the post, I was like, damn, well, good for them. How did that decision stem? Was there a process going into that? Was there any hesitation or was it just, let's do this? Well, I mean, when you look at, to your point, 700 stores, you know, um, we only sell our ready to drink or energy drink. And then, you know, our bars, meats, that convenient snacks, that's our category um, in the vitamin shop. And, and the reason being is, you know, we offer uh, in we, our food, drug and mass category. Uh, we're mainly direct consumer. Our business in, in its entirety is direct consumer specialty retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you look at, you know, the, uh, our consumer is, they're in grocery stores, right? They're in convenience stores. They're in a convenient place. And specifically with the landscape, the energy drink market, I'm, I'm happy to, that's a conversation that's, that's probably worth having. But how do we get into these convenient, these convenient categories where our core consumer, which is a 35-year-old mom, right, um, you know, buys for the household? Like, how do we get in these, into these shops where the convenient buy is happening? And so, you know, Vitamin Shop's a, you know, a, a great avenue. They have 700 retail locations. You know, they're, 
they're in the snack market. They have a mm-hmm. huge bar selection. You know, they're 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 uh, stack it deep in the energy drink space. You know, so we felt it was a good move for us. You know, in the in the snacking convenient category uh, as a brand expansion. You know, looking at you know our bar category, our meat stick category, uh, and our drink category, the likes of you know High V. Kroger, HEB, Publix, you start looking at some of these growth categories, uh, our bar creates a lot of demand in those places. Mm-hmm. Our meat sticks are growing in, in, the, in the grocery category, and obviously our energy drink is, is backfilling uh, uh, and doing a, a, a standalone job specifically in the Midwest. Yeah, the drinks category alone, I just had a conversation with Giant Eagle last week, and I think they're looking to expand that set by like 80%. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how quickly that's going, but there's going to be a time, I think, Sal, where they're going to want the proteins, the one-pounders, the two-pounders, because... We're seeing that now, right? I mean, you go. Hyvee's a great example. I have them here in my backyard. Uh, I think there might be a couple down by you as well, too, in Schnucks and stuff. But you walk into there, and their health market set is beautiful. Yeah. It is. Their HBC set is unbelievable. Ghost just went into Target with the one-pound protein tubs. Like, the demand's going to be there for your brand. So what is right. how is that conversation going to go? Is that – are you guys adamant to stay D2C and specialty on the pills and putters? Or is there Kroger's, the HEBs of the world? You know their sets and how they're curating more sports nutrition – because they see the value, where does that put you in position? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, when you look at the, at the, the gro- you're dead on in the sense of, you know, we're getting demand. I mean, I, if you ever thought that, you know, buyers start calling you, right? It's kind of like, well, this is backwards. Right. Um, never really thought that would happen in my career. But, um, you know, you, you make a business decision, and we've made a business decision, you know, not to offer our sports supplement as a, as a full lineup in all these categories. You know, what we have done is offer, you know, some split sets, some smaller skew setups. Uh, we've gone into academy sports, you know, and, and a little bit of smaller setups. Um, you know, selling basic sports nutrition or, or two or three flavors of, of isolate protein, creatine, um, you know, two or three flavors of pre-workout, letting them in in small snaps. Um, you know, our full lineup is still going to be basically exclusively available through sports nutrition. But when you start looking at these one-pound, two-pound plays like Dan's making inside, you know, Target and whatnot, I, you're, you're going to see the demand start to peak up for it. You're going to start to see the, the brand start to fulfill it. Uh, you know, for us, with having the DC channel built out and how our model specifically built in the mm-hmm. sense of the, you know, independent Legionnaire, um, we distribute our own products. We're not as heavily reliant on the distribution that most brands are. They're, right. they're heavily reliant on, you know, distribution through, um, you know, Kroger or Target or the local grocery store. We've been able to fill that market and direct consumer. We're probably going to stay in that lane for, you know, for the better part, at least the near near future, three years, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, you're even seeing Walmarts of the world. I mean, their set has improved dramatically in the last two years, and they're, you know, reaching out to brands. I mean, could you see your, could you see First Form being in Walmart? No, we actually, we declined Walmart. Okay. Um, we went down and, and uh, you know, went through the, went through the, it was actually talk about a real moment. It was cool. I, I know, I know you went down there and, uh, you know, you go through, do your little set. They actually presented to us. It was, uh, it was eye opening. That's just not, that's just not our consumer. Sure. And our consumer, uh, is a, is, is somebody who needs and wants direction and customer interaction at the high level of service. And, you know, a core piece of our game is our fitness app, you know, and, and allowing our customers, uh, you know, we have 42 people that just work inside the app and helping people at, answer questions in regards to diet, exercise, supplementation, and really just tracking of the food. So our core consumer and what we do best, which is interact with, with, our, with our customer, 
it's just not served well in the Walmart target space because they're not able to have that level of service. And that's why we've leaned on specialty retail. You know, we're able to have that deeper level conversation. Uh, we're able to, to be able to really help that person and guide mm-hmm. that person through, through that journey of fitness, you know, whether it's lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds. And, you know, we've made the decision as a brand. And I mean, is this a life move? No, I, I, I don't know. I think for the time being, uh, when I look at it, they're not going to get that interaction at a big box store. Right. And so that, that's been my, uh, that, that's been our hesitation as a, as a brand of moving in that direction. Well, you just made a lot of specialty retailers happy. I mean, that's for sure with that, with that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you, never, you have no idea what shopping is going to look like in five years. I mean, five years ago, I don't know. We were all shopping online, but to the point we are now with Amazon and Walmart.com and just D2C, it's been, it's been a crazy climb. Be- beverage. Beverage is a bitch. Let's just say what it is, right? Um, well, let me go back and hit that there because I, I think I have, you know, I'm not saying we're the biggest D 2 C supplement guy in the game, but you're pretty big. We, well, we have enough. We have a lot of experience yeah. in the market. You know, I think what you're seeing is, you know, for the first time, Amazon's, you know, reporting some neutral earnings in some capacity. And, you know, I, I believe in the backbone of America and small business. And I think we believe that as a company and, and, you know, really, I really, really, really want, that small business to thrive and that, that small relationship to thrive. And I think specialty retail, you know, is the melting pot of America that way. And it has our opportunity. So what we're seeing on our end is specialty is growing. Our wholesale channel is growing faster than our D2C channel, um, you know, in that, in, in that environment. And, and after seeing Amazon report and going through that, it shows me, and I, I would like to think that, you know, specialty is not dead. Mm-mm. And, Specialty and done the correct way. It's got a great real upside. I think you're going to see people going back into the communities and shopping. And, and that's, and that's really what we're, that's what we're banking on is that the small business environment, the small town shopping, it's there yeah. and it's going to be there. I think people are going to want to support their communities. And so, you know, it, it's, uh, um, somebody taught me something really that there's a, one of my business mentors, he's the CEO of enterprise rent a car, largest privately held company mm-hmm. in the world based out of St. Louis. He's since passed. Great dude. He gave me a piece of advice one time. He said, just because you can sell something doesn't mean you should sell something. Remember that. And, you know, we've had opportunities to sell in pretty much every big, big retailer across the country. And I, that always comes into my brain. Yeah. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, you know, that part of that exclusive mindset, um, you know, allows us, allows us to control our growth. It allows us to really make sure that we're controlling our conversation and that we don't dilute what it is that makes first form special, which is that first, which is that, that customer interaction. I love that. that you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're going to have opportunities every day of the week to sell that brand in the places. And, and for you, I mean, you, you can see the money in the wall. If you look at a Walmart or target, you know what you're going to be making. And if you do the you know number of units per store per week calculations, you're making good money, but you're electing to not go the money route. You want to stay service route, stay true to your values. And I love it. Yeah, and I, I've learned, you know, like, and if you if you get to the T in the road and your identifier is money, you'll lose. Mm-hmm. The reason being is because ultimately your customer sees that you're playing for money. Yep. And you know, it, it's it's hard, man. You sit down at Walmart that they've got. A, I mean, talk about data, man. I've never I've never sat in a yeah. uh, never sat sat in a meeting and and been presented that much positive data in my life. It's actually really impressive. You know, they sell more Taylor Bay golf clubs than than golf galaxy and you know they sell more dyson vacuums than anybody in the world you know you're like they're selling high ticket items every day you know this is a premium place to buy and i think for those particular goods it was they're fabulous moves for our business model 
And I'm not saying for everybody in sports nutrition because I think, you know, I actually, and this goes into a, a business economics just philosophy, Sam, I think Walmart will surpass. I think Walmart will compete with Amazon and actually go toe-to-toe because of the yes. internal distribution network, you know, their ability to go same-day delivery. Yeah. They're already built on, on, on the ground, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, you know, it's, it, it just wasn't the right play for us. That's mm-hmm. all. You know what I mean? And I don't think, you know, there used to be saying, oh, brands go to Walmart to die, yeah. you know, like all the old guard. I, I look at, you know, these, these big box retailers are getting smart. Health and wellness is growing. It's a, you know, the, it's a growing industry mm-hmm. and they know, sorry, my life just went out. They know that they got to compete to play. Yeah, I, I mean, and they do. But, I mean, I think COVID had a lot to do with that too and people kind of reverting more attention probably back to their health. And they see yeah. the numbers, you know, obviously the Walmart GNC partnership, that's not a partnership, that is a partnership. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, and they see the numbers. Like they can get this data through Spins and Nielsen. They can see what these what these checkouts at registers are. And it's smart for them to get into it. And, you know, uh, like I said, I love shopping grocery stores that have awesome curated sets because it's impressive to see these brands that once upon a time were just, you know, and they still are small to some extent, like us. Like we're very small as a brand, but, you know, I'm accessible and we're accessible in, in locations that we once weren't before. And it's cool that now we can be there for people to grab off the shelf and go. Um, obviously, our business model is slightly different than yours. It's not so much service. It's like you want something that tastes good. Here you go. Um, which then brings me into to beverage because beverage is an animal. Like beverage is a bitch. If you haven't been in, in the beverage world before, I mean, you're shipping canned water. You're shipping one pound cans pretty much, which is a pain in the ass. And everybody yeah. out there that owns a supplement company looked at what Jack Owak did with Bang and now like what Ghost is doing, what you guys are, are, are growing at and everyone wants a piece of the pie. But how difficult has it been as a learning curve for And you guys have a lot of distribution knowledge. So, and you, you've dealt in the store side, but has it been a, a, an extreme learning curve on the canned beverage in terms of getting line time, shipping it, keeping costs where they need to be? Every day is a learning curve. You know what I mean? Every day is a life lesson. I look at, uh, it's been actually, it's been a lot of fun and, and for me personally. Um, you know, what's interesting is you're starting to see a lot of the brands come in right now. And, and I think they're eye on the prize Celsius deal, mm-hmm. you know, as it should be. Right. We, we, we were making a decision 20 months ago, uh, on when we were going to land and play in the game, we were kind of taking this approach that, Hey, we're not going to be first to the market. We're not going to drop it in the middle here. We're going to let kind of everybody settle and we're going to play on the backside. Yeah. And, you know, we, we strategically launched last, last August mm-hmm. learning curve sets happened in September, missed all the sets. So, you know, we were dead in the water for seven months, which, which was great because it allowed us to work through some of these, you know, debacles, if you will. But, you know, in the Midwest, uh, we, we're doing really, really well with the fastest growing energy drink inside the AB distribution network between St. Louis, Kansas City. Yeah. Going into Springfield, we dropped into Hy-Vee. We're trying to get some different sets going in, into the, the late spring set here. I love contract manufacturing. I love the game. I love learning. Um, the, the drink animals, I mean, it's it's awesome, actually, because, you know, how I look at it is, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, Monster Red Bull based on whose data you're looking at. Um, you know, Rockstar is three, which is crazy. Like, who drinks Rockstar? Yeah. But it's, it's nuts, right? Like, they're just dropping massive volume. Uh, you know, you look at the four-player in Rain, um, you know, and then you go five, six, seven, eight, nine, right? Jack was five, mm-hmm. uh, built an absolute animal of a business. Uh, but they're losing, you know, they're losing market share with all the recent dealings, $700 million of market share, I right. believe, lost in the last 12 months. Opens up the door for, you know, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, you got... Uh, the boys at C4, you got Dan at Ghost, you got uh, Katie and Hayden and, and the Congo crew, uh, Lonnie New, 
um, who are, you know, I don't, I know Hayden and Katie, uh, personally, great people. I don't know Dan, uh, I know Dan a little bit, you know, internet land done a phenomenal job with ghost and, and I know Anheuser-Busch took a position with them. I was with their CEO last week. Um, you know, and then, uh, C4, Dawson, Dawson, the boys over there, they've done a great job that, you know, kind of in the wings with, with KDP. And it's cool because I look at it as a great opportunity for us to slide in and start playing because as these brands go into, uh, you know, some losing market share with, with, uh, you know, with Bang and, and going down, some of these other brands are going into different directions. Right. It opens up, it opens up the, the, the specialty door inside these, inside these grocery stores and, 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 and convenience stores you know, where they're going to start sliding into the Pepsi coolers and Celsius is moving over and we're starting to open up. It's, it's given us an opportunity where we're going to get some, where we feel we're going to get yeah. some slots. And we have, you know, ideally the way we look at it from our perspective is our core customer right now is likely buying. They're not buying a monster. They're not buying a Red Bull. They're not buying a rain. They're likely buying, you know, a C4, a ghost, Milani new, some, one of our, you know, one of our sports nutrition competitors in the right. space. Our, customers buying that drink we feel pretty confidently that you know we're gonna it's gonna take us 18 or 24 months to get in but we think we could regain at least our market share our customer back out of it and and hopefully you know be able to build enough brand awareness around you know a growing market share inside the space you know it's slotted to do about 27 billion dollars this year there's a lot of opportunity um you know in the future and it's it's fun because there are new relationships there are new buyers it's new opportunity um but i think you know we feel we got to at least an understanding of what's going on. Uh, you know, those, those brands that I mentioned, they've done a hell of a job, man. They pioneered a really cool way of, of uh, getting in and, 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 uh, and really kicking ass and setting the tone. And, you know, and, and my hat's off to really all of them because, you know, it's, it, uh, you know, two, three, four years ago, I think Josh was probably the first guy in the space in yeah. C4. It was one of those things where, you know, kind of what's he doing and you know he was the first one too and you know that stack of deep sell it cheap in, in the club store of sam's mm-hmm. costco you know two two c4s for 1999 i used to think to myself what in the hell is this guy doing but right. the guy's done it, and he's repeatedly done it and uh you know and, and i take my hat off to him because you know you have to pioneer that pathway and, and uh you know we're going to try to take our take our take our run at it see what we can get done yeah and if anybody saw that kdb deal they know that <laughs> there's good money in that deal there's good money in, in that space so which is good because they're all good people that were involved in that and i'm happy you know that they're getting theirs and you know obviously dan and ryan are good friends of mine so i, I love to see that and, and just it, it's fun to see your friends be successful that's the coolest thing for me too yeah. and, um so we're gonna go last question I, i'd be remiss if we didn't end the podcast on this but we're talking about high energy energy drinks let's talk about high energy three children being a dad disconnecting being present you're president of a of a of a 200 plus million dollar company. How do you find the time or how do you, cause I struggle with this and I'm, uh, and, and I think it's just, I put so much pressure on myself to continue to build the brand. Like the brand will be there tomorrow and I need to understand that, but I'm not good at it. I'm terrible at, at disconnecting. Yeah. How do you do it? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's a struggle for anybody who prioritizes being, being a parent and a husband. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, that's an important thing, but I, I look at, um, and I take a great deal of pride in this, man. So this is probably, you know, I love, I love sports nutrition. I love business. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but you know, I, I, I do the best I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you talk, you talk my language when you start talking about husband, you start talking about dad. That's like, that's what I love to do. It's what I love to coach around. That's it's what I, when I die, it's what I hope people I've been able to help the, the world the most in. Um, 
you know, you have to learn to prioritize what's most important to you. And, you know, what I've realized about business, you know, and having so many employees uh, and being around is that the business, the business will be there and your kids are only going to be young once mm-hmm. and you're only going to get time to, to nap with them and lay with them and sleep with them and cuddle them and take them to school. You're only going to get that time once in your life. And you have to realize that and, 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 and understand that you need to prioritize what's most important to you. And I think them being little children and experiencing their dad should be a priority to you if, if that's most important. You say, well, what about the business? I pay for my kids and I give them the lifestyle. Your kid's not going to care how much money you make. Yeah. Your kid's going to care how much time you spent with them. Your kid's going to know, you know how much you loved on them and, and he's going to remember playing baseball in the backyard. That's what your kid's going to remember most. And, you know, it, it's important that you prioritize that. And so for me, what I learned this, I learned this early, thank God. How old are you, Brian? 36. Okay, so I'm 42, right? I'm just a little bit older than you. And what I did is I broke my day out into things that are most important to me. And I, and I still, I don't operate this way perfectly every day, but I break this out into what's most important to me. And uh, my physical health uh, is important to me. My, my, I like myself. You know what I mean? This is as narcissistic as it sounds. Like I, I actually, I like myself and I like being in solitude by myself. And so, um, you know, I like being a dad. I love being a business person and I love being a husband. Those are the things that are most important to me. And so I prioritize those things and everything else takes a backseat mm. to it. So it's never going to be balanced. That's what you got to realize. You can try to balance what you got, but it's never going to be perfectly balanced and balanced to my understanding and how I've been, how I've managed success in this particular field is being able to prioritize what's most important to me at that point in time of the day. And so what I do first is I always work out in the morning, mm-hmm. 530 to 7 a.m. That's my time. And that's when I read. I love to read. I read about the level of a third grader, but I love to consume information. Um, I, I like to work out. I'll watch, you know, I'll watch my Fox business in the morning and I get myself time. I get to sit in the sauna. I get to relax. I get to decompress. But if I get me out of the way early, I'm not fighting for it the rest of the day. Yes. And my wife can come down and work out with me because that's an us time thing. And I, I, she's the only person that can bother me during my workout time. And that's, that's what I do. 5.30, 7am, that's me. 7am to, to, to whatever, 8.15, I'm dad. Mm-hmm. I am dad. I cook him breakfast. I get him ready for school. You know, I do the girl's hair. I play catch with Enzo. I play chess with that. Whatever, whatever's going on to be dad right there, I'd be dad. And I take him to school. When it's my turn to take them to school, and you know, I I enjoy and embody those morning moments because I realize that they're short lived. Mm-hmm. You know, business will business will be there. This is short lived, and I try to take that in. You know, I love the smell of the uh, of of the morning, and and I love being with my children. When I get to work, it's, it's I'm here at eight thirty in the morning. I don't leave until five thirty at night. I haven't even, I haven't eaten lunch yet. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. I meet and I am every 15, 30, 45 minutes on a scale. Like I don't mess around when I'm here. I don't, I don't leave work. I don't go out to lunch. I don't go to baseball games. I don't play golf. I don't do business trips. Like I am at business. I love this place. Mm. I love what I do. I love what I get to do every single day. And if I went out and robbed that time in the middle of my day from my team here, uh, I'm doing them a disservice. So I take my business career very, very, very seriously. But I don't let anybody steal that time either. Just like I don't let them steal my morning workout time, I don't let them steal my kid time. I put the phone down. When I'm in business, I don't let anybody steal my business time. Then when I go home, say 5.30 to, to 8.30, I'm dead. I'm back in the saddle, man. And everybody knows, and you know this, 
that witching hour at night, that's, that's a hard time. Morning is kind of easy with the kids. Night's like a pain. In the yeah. But I've learned to embrace it. You know, all the wildness and madness and, you know, and getting them ready for bed. But man, there's nothing better than laying in bed with those kids, you know, and asking them what they did today and telling them that you love them and turning on the little sound machine. Like that's, that's the most precious thing in life that we'll never get back. Yeah. That's a priority to me. And that's why I don't go to business dinners, you know, every night with people. And I don't go to the baseball game because I'm not going to miss that time with my children. From 8.30 to 10.30, I'm husband. And I know that sounds terrible, but I'm, I'm more than husband, you know, try to be throughout the day by being yeah. all, you know, uh, man of character through the other things. But I love my wife. I love our marriage. And so at night I get to be me. And I let her queen. And, and my uncle John told me uh, a, a great story one time. If you want to be king, she must first be queen. And it didn't make sense to me when I was younger, but as I get older, I realized like you can't be a king without a queen. Yeah. And you know, I, I get to sit down and spend that time with my wife. Uh, I let her drive, man. My wife's got a, my wife's got an unbelievable career. She's highly successful independently. Uh, so if she wants to work at night, I'll sit next to her and work, you know, we'll saddle up and laptop it out. Uh, if she wants to watch real housewives of whatever County, I'll sit down and do that. If she wants to watch a Netflix series. I'm doing that. I let her drive. Yeah. And, um, you know, it allows us that, that's my version of balance. That's what works for me. Mm -hmm. But I don't steal those times really very rarely why I let somebody into those windows of, 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 of my life without them fitting into my priority. And my business mentor told me one time that I had, so I moved away from my business. So uh, I sold my house to one of my guys here. When I say I moved away, like I moved further out, um, 25 minutes away from our headquarters sure. it used to be five minutes and the reason i did that is because you know i love to work like mm -hmm. it's easy for me to be here like we have this unbelievable facility it's badass like it's easy for me to come here and be king man because what i say happens right like it's yep. just that's the nature of the role i have but i had to move away and really just create a little space because and, and my business mentor told me like if it's on fire what are you gonna do you're gonna go put it out mm-hmm grab a garden hose and, and watch it. What are you going to do? You're not going to, if this, if this little phone, you can't fix the problem you have, you'll be okay in the morning whenever you got to go fix it. So just relax, you know? And so that was a good lesson to me is understanding that that problem that you're, that's the biggest problem right now, take a breath, have a good night's sleep because usually it's a little bit easier to solve in the morning yes. and go hit it hard with a fresh, with a fresh head in, in, in the AM and, and give it the best you got. So, you know, I, I, I as I mature through business, I start to realize like what you, what you make a priority is a priority. And uh, if it's important to you, you'll prioritize it. So I prioritize my fitness, my kids, my business, and my wife. Mm -hmm. And those are the things, those are my cornerstones. Those are my four, those are my four pillars. And uh, very rarely do I let people, let people outside those walls. I love it, dude. Well, I appreciate the time today. It's great. We're not going to sp speak any further. One hour. That, was, that, was yeah, quick. that went quick, man. It went quick, but I mean, Enlightening, <laughs> educational, solid advice. I definitely appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you too. I appreciate the, uh, you know, the opportunity to be on the podcast. And, you know, I know you've done a great job of, you know, building a, a great deal of credibility in the space. And, you know, I know a lot of times, you know, we're not considered in the space, um, you know, but I always kind of feel like an outsider looking in, you know, watching all the stuff you guys do, you know, like now I feel like I'm in the club. You, no. you're, you're, I, I've said this every single year. You're the, you're the biggest, most successful brand that nobody talks about. And, and it's, oh. we, we know it. Like I said, you guys and, and Katie and Hayden and Lonnie and what they're doing, like these are two brands that are doing things the right way. Amazingly that my channel 
admittedly does not speak enough about, and I wanted to get you on for selfishly because I wanted to pick your brain. I think, you know, not to, to ramble on, I think a lot of people, you know, talk about your brother and he's great, but I was like, this is the, this is the guy I want to talk to because um, you're both great, but it, it was good to get some business acumen, some perspective, but basically for me, more so like that family balance. And as I try to grow a business and as I try to juggle everything in my life, from somebody who's been there, done that, and, and seemingly is doing a very successful job of doing so, it meant a lot for me uh, to have you on. Well, I, I appreciate that, and the feeling's mutual. I, I, you know, I, I the uh, the brother thing because it's important. You know, a lot of people, you know, it's cool, man. Like I get to, you got to think. Like not only do I get to go to war with my brother every single day, like we're good yin yang. Like he's out front. Like that's that's his deal. Like uh, I, I'm back here. This is my deal. This is what, this is what I love to do. Is what he that he's good. He's great at that. Uh, you know, and then I play my role is what I do and, and we work well together. So I, it's just one of those things, you know, somebody's got to be quarterback. Somebody's got to hike the football, right? Yeah. Somebody's got to play left. tackle. And, uh, what I learned about life is it's okay not to be quarterback. Sometimes the left tackle is the most important position on the field because you got to protect the quarterback Correct. and the left tackle, left tackle makes himself a little bit of coin too. And it has yeah, a hell of a career. Yeah. They, they make a little bit of money. So I'm a left tackle. You know what I mean? I'll be a good left tackle. But if, if I'm a left tackle, I'll be the best one I got. I love it, dude. So I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for the time. And, and like I said, if there's ever anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out. Appreciate it.